Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to the Lux Calor International Sports on a Sunday morning oh, yeah. on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Did Dean DeVore, did he uh, specify when that storm is going to come this afternoon? He did not. It was okay. uh, Matt Benz this morning. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, after 3 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, that's good for us. Yeah. Are these are these inter squad games? Are they are intra squad? Are they pretty quick? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, BK. Yeah. Uh, they are pretty <laughs> quick. I'd say they're in the neighborhood of an hour, forty five minutes to really? two hours. Wow, so, okay. Chris and I did the game on Friday night. It started right at seven. It was like six fifty five, and the players were stretching in the outfield. And I thought, man, this thing like they're just sort of coming out of the dugout. This mm-hmm. is going to be delayed. No, umpires came out. Players went into the dugout. Lineup cards exchange or how whatever they do, I don't. They don't, they don't actually yeah, exchange do do lineup that? cards yeah. now. There's some. Yeah. There's a, a handbook you have to go through. In all seriousness, they do follow these uh, social distancing guidelines very strictly. Actually, at the ballpark, and they started right at seven. I did the lineups and handed it to Chris for the first pitch, and they started the game right at seven. So the game went innings one through four. Carlos Martinez against Miles Michaelis, and then they skipped to the eighth inning. And the reason for that is they want to get the relievers in a situation where they feel like it's late in the game and they have to hold the game. So Brett Cecil came in in the eighth inning, which is actually the fifth inning that they played, and he put three on. I mean, he he was okay, but he did load the bases, then got out of it. He got Austin Dean to pop up, so he got out of the inning with a zero. And then the bottom of the eighth, they worked, and uh, you know the Cardinals' red team against the blue team, and they looked good. And then they worked the ninth, so the red team got three outs in the ninth, mm-hmm. and it was Ryan Helsley. Interesting birthday coming boy out yesterday, yep, right? Birthday boy yesterday. Yeah. He coming out as the closer, quote unquote, because right now he really is in my mind. And I'll talk to Mike Schultz about this. He's not going to give up. Who's the closer? I doubt it. He'll say multiple, but I mean, I think right now for me, Carlos Martinez goes into the rotation. It's what he wants to do. I think that he's the most experienced closer. Yes, but I really think he can be an asset both uh, as a starter and a closer. And right now you use him as a starter. That's way, that's what I've seen from them. He looked good in that game, uh, starting that game anyway. So Helsley closes it. So the fact that Carlos started a game and Helsley closed it gave me one idea. And then, though, they went to the bottom of the ninth, even though they had won the game, because they want to get more at-bats and more work. So they put Tyler Webb out there. Now, Tyler Webb's kind of a forgotten guy. I'm not saying he's going to close, but, man, was he good. I mean, yeah. he struck out the first two he faced. He was the best in the National League last year, lefty on lefty. 
in terms of batting average, he is dynamite. And uh, I thought he looked good, and the Cardinals closed out that game 2-1. Did not have an inter-squad game yesterday. They have Gallegos coming back uh, from Mexico. They have Alex Reyes back in the house. They have Genesis Cabrera back in the house. So they're starting to get some bullpen arms back, but it would be a lot to ask for anybody to be ready for opening day. If it were me, I would have Gallegos thought of as a possible closer at some point, but he's a really good setup man, and I like Helsley. Even though he's inexperienced in that spot, he just has that awesome velocity on his fastball. He can mix pitches. If he adds a third pitch that's that can go in with some off-speed stuff and some good little benders, he's got some great breaking stuff. I think they can be very, very tough to handle with, with him back there. That's you know, here, here's something I just thought of. When you got a young closer, say, you're playing games without fans. And you know the, the momentum that can build. If Even if you're at home, if you're a closer and you give up a couple hits, you can feel the stadium gets nervous. As a young closer, you're probably going to get a little more nervous. You think it'll be easier for a young closer to handle closing without fans in the stands. It's interesting. I think that the pressure on a hitter and a pitcher is equally applied in some situations, but in that one, it definitely tips in a little bit of an advantage towards the hitter, I think, only because... Look, the pitcher has the advantage always, the, yeah. the, the averages say. I'm just talking about in terms of feeling pressure, if you're a closer, historically, yeah, I mean, you don't want to... The last three outs are the hardest to get. They always say that, and yeah. it's hard to to not issue a free pass. You don't want to walk anybody. Helsley actually did walk someone, um, ended up getting out of it anyway. But I, it's an interesting thought, Brian, because yes and no. The closer and the hitter have pressure on them whether there's a crowd or not. I think the crowd definitely can get on and mess with your head a little bit, maybe, mm-hmm. especially if you're on the road. Yeah. But you know, all of these games now are so important. It's one out of 60, and if you blow it, it can be a very, very tough blow as rather than one out of 162. So I still think there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I do. I, I think that there's maybe even a little bit more than normal. If you're an experienced closer and you blow a game, you're like, look, I, I'll get back out there tomorrow. This one, you know, you've got you to shut it down. Right. And so I, I'd be curious to see what they do. Now, Mike Maddox, I believe when he says we're going to go with multiple closers, that's what they're going to do. We'll ask Mike Schultz about it here in a little bit. But, you know, Mike Maddox made it pretty clear this is what he said about the closer situation. I think everybody's a candidate to do it, or we have multiple candidates to come in on the end, but we're not going to beat up one guy right now, that's for sure. I don't think anybody's ready to go three out of four or, you know, four out of six, stuff like that. We're going to have to uh, ease into this thing. So hopefully, uh, you know, we get out there and, Whoever gets the opportunity throws up the big donuts that we need. The big donuts. Andrew Miller is the other guy uh, who definitely could close, and there are others too. Yeah. So I think the Cardinals are in a good situation there. But I thought the experience was really good. We'll go to Mike Schild here in just a couple minutes. But I thought the experience of Friday was nice from my perspective. I felt safe in the building. They take your temperature, and, and mm-hmm. you ask. Uh, they ask you a bunch of questions about where you've been and if you've run a temperature and all that, and you take your temperature and you go through and very securely with a mask on, go to your spot. In our case, it was a radio booth. We did the game, and then we left. You know, you don't talk to the players. You don't, you're not down on the field level. And then during the game, I thought they created a much better atmosphere than I anticipated. The crowd noise, the organ, the 
scoreboard, the walk-up music. You could hear the crack of the bat. You could, you know, they they turn up the crowd noise a little bit when it's a nice play or a yeah, big Yeah, I hit. was wondering. I saw that the play was at Wong who made the amazing play yeah. behind second Oh, yeah, they let the that day. crowd wow. roar. And, and I was crowd listening, it. and it sounded like they have one that says, great defensive play. They hit the button, and that's that one. Is, yeah. is that kind of what it is? It was cool. It was yeah. cool. So I, I really I enjoyed it. Mike Schilt will tell us probably that he doesn't really pay attention to all that. He's sure. locked in on the game, but it may be a little bit. I thought it was a very nice experience, and you could tell the players are enjoying themselves. They are yeah. they're having a good time. So good that's deal. good. BK, appreciate it. You bet, Tom. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt is next. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman with the Cardinals manager. He joins us live from Bush Stadium, where the Cardinals will play an inter-squad game today. How are you, Mike? Doing fantastic, Tom. How about yourself, sir? Doing great. Looking forward to being over there today. Chris Raby and I will have the call of the game as we did on Friday. I enjoyed Friday. I thought that the inter-squad experience was very enjoyable, and I don't know how much attention you paid all the elements out there, but the fact that they have a little crowd noise and a scoreboard in operation and walk-up music and the organ playing, it you know, they, they're doing their best to create an atmosphere that... I thought was quite enjoyable. And of course your ball club looked awfully sharp. Yeah, I, I saw it. I paid attention to it. Um, yeah, we created a lot of it. Um, but yeah, the group looked good. The atmosphere is good. The, the crowd noise is, is a little different, but um, something that we'll get used to um, just the white noise and the static that takes place. But um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, you know, all our days have been pretty positive and that was another good one. What was the the thinking behind it? Just to create as much of a, a replicate as much of a game day atmosphere as you possibly can, even without fans there. Yeah, of course. I mean, we want to make sure that clearly, um, you know, if you look up, things have have changed in all our lives and and how we go about our lives and the things we can and can't do. Um, so if you look up and realize, hey, you know what, we got to figure out the best way we can possibly do to make things as absolutely normal as possible. And, you know, the walk-up songs are a big part of that. And we started that back before we even started spring camp with uh, with our simulated games. We play that with Fueno as he'd go out and, and face some of the hitters in a, in a very informal simulated game. So, yeah, just doing as much as we can to create that that normal for the guys. And, and um, then, then, of course, the baseball is the baseball. And the baseball, I thought, was sharp. I mean, my goodness gracious. Paul DeYoung and Colton Wong put on a little show, didn't they, early in that game? A first-inning play by DeYoung uh, on Dean, and then Wong with a spectacular play on Sosa. Goodness, those guys look they look great. Yeah, it looked fantastic. Um, yeah, Paul, he goes in the hole, comes up, jump throw, gets Dean by an eyelash, and then Colton on a hit and run with Sosa. He did a nice job with it. You know, goes across the bag at second, and just shows how acrobatic this, this you know, he is and, and just those across his body, across the field and, and is um is able to get uh Sosa at first. So two two big league plays. You know, Dean made a nice running grab later in the gap. Dylan made a couple of nice running grabs uh in the gap as well and uh, the defense has, has been really good. Yeah, Dylan with a great grab out there, big long strides along with Justin Williams, so he's got to account for the ball and Justin and made the play. And you mentioned Austin Dean. You know, here's a guy that maybe we haven't mentioned enough, an outfielder that you had in the number three spot uh, on that game on Friday, and someone who does have some power and 
a pretty positive outlook. I would I would think you have some really good outfield depth here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one guy we haven't spoken with, and we haven't talked about our outfield at, at some point in, the, in our previous conversations, Tom. And, and he is a guy that didn't uh, that merited more conversation, and is continuing to prove that he that he's in the in the hunt for an opportunity. And um, you know, it becomes to be more more competitive balance. But, but Dean's done a nice job. You know, just not as familiar with him coming over in the trade um, with Florida, and but he's done a nice job of. A thick, you know, just settling in and and going about things the way we we like to, and he takes a tough at bat, and he shows up. He's a gamer. He wants to play. He wants to get on the field, and and uh, he's played well. And also in that game, you had Carlos Martinez and Miles Michaelis. Let's talk about Carlos first. He got out of the gate pretty well, and I thought had a very nice game. Yeah, you know, he did. He um he looks good, feels good. Ball's coming out, ton of movement. I mean. You know, turned to Mad Dog and Ollie and said, "Man, this guy's got some serious movement, just based on the swings, um, and in the zone swings, and just late stuff right in the zone." And um, you know, he's having a little trouble early, which is understandable. Was his first time out against hitters in an inter squad situation. He's throwing a lot of BP, but um, a little different when he started to put the uniforms on and, and change sides. And um, but uh, you know, he did a nice job with um, being able to get better as he went. But early on, just ball was all over the place and, and was able in the third inning to start to command it a little more and start to be in the zone a little more consistent with all his pitches. And um, it always good, feels good. I just felt like he pitched as that game went on with a good pace. You know, he was moving mm-hmm. just a little bit quicker, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually wrote it down in the uh, end of the second, just better pace, you know, started to get his rhythm a little bit. Uh, again, part of that is uh, starting to feel better with your pitches. Part of that's just getting back on the mound for the first time in a while and and getting getting your groove going, but um, as most pitchers are, you know, we talk about our pace a fair amount. We don't want them to rush, but you typically are better when you're working at a little quicker pace. Defense is usually a little better behind. You just got to stay a little more alert. But um, yeah, he had nice pace to him. That has to feel pretty good. You didn't get to see a lot of him because he was uh, in the Dominican and working on his own. But you did get to hear and see a lot of Miles Michaelis, who was getting treatment, working out in Jupiter. What a relief to know that. I'm assuming that he's feeling healthy after that start, but that he looked uh, like the Michaelis of old strike throwing. He had one hit allowed for four innings till he gave up one late. And that one hit was a big home run by Matt Carpenter, but miles Michaelis looked pretty strong. Yeah, he did. I'll take miles to your point. He's um, all pitches for strikes, good tempo, um, head accounts, you know, got in trouble with that one inning. He actually walked Paulie right before that. And then uh Carp made him pay for something over the plate, but you know, executing both sides of the plate, um, all pitches, and uh, you know he looked good. And he's recovered well to your to your point as well, Tom. And and that's so important that guys are you know throwing is important. You know, because the guys start to increase their innings, especially a guy like Miles who came off a little something in early first spring training, and um, you know how they recover and bounce back is is really important. And he's been able to do that. Well, Matt got a hold of one, didn't he? Boy, he parked that thing out into the bullpen. Big home run from Matt Carpenter, batting number five in your order as the DH. But I also like the one, that laser that we just talked about, that Dean caught, that he hit out to left. Boy, he got a hold of that, too. Yeah, he's driving the ball the other way. Everything looks straight. Um, you know, he's getting through the ball really well. And, you know, using Carp's own words, he, you know, the swing that he hit in the left center that Dean made that nice play on was he liked it. You know, like that swing, one he did the ball, he hit in the bullpen, just 
but he knows that's telling him he's in a good spot. That's so good to hear. Cardinals, uh, the red team beat the blue team two to one. They played. Uh, they what they do, and we talked about this before you came on, is they played four innings, then you skip ahead to the eighth, and then play the ninth. I'm sure you've also, I think you did this on Thursday, you, you'll start and play the tenth like with a runner on second base. You're just right now working through all scenarios, aren't you? Yeah, so, I mean, we allow the starters to go through their progression as they normally would to start the game. And um, on that day, we had Miles went four, Carlos went three, and then we had relievers after that. So once we get to the relievers, um, we just fast forward to the end of the game, which creates a lot of different situations for us. So uh, we fast forward to eighth and ninth, and if the game's tied in the eight, after the eighth, we make it the tenth, and then start with that runner second base and work on that as we, um, you know, figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and train for the extra inning rule. You went through some relievers there. Brett Cecil throwing his sidearm delivery. Uh, bases were loaded on him, but he was able to get out of that on an Austin Dean pop-up. You also had Tyler Webb, a good-looking lefty, was in there working the ninth inning. And in between there, Ryan Helsley came out and got the job done. What do you think about Helsley so far? That was his best outing for Hells. Um, you know, again, getting his feet back under, the, under him. I know he worked really hard during the break. Um, but that back to facing our hitters and uh, I thought he was really, really good. Um, super aggressive, um, breaking ball in the zone, sharp. I mean, everything was was really good. Um, it was it was front line stuff, um, and I just loved the way he went about and the way he challenged guys with this stuff. How close to, uh, to opening day on Friday will you get in terms of making a decision on fifth starter? Because Kim, of course, looked really good also on Thursday. And closer, I would imagine, I'm just taking a guess here, that you probably don't settle on one person, that you you you, you like having multiple options there. Um, I wouldn't agree with that necessarily. Um, yeah. We are close to the fifth starter. Um, I do think, to your point, we will have some guys that have the ability to close games out, but... Um, you know, if we don't start this season and nobody knows who the guy is going to be, then there's a lot of there can be confusion, right? I mean, um, so we do want to create, and it, and it can change once we get in the flow of the season. That's when you know, guy may be down or certain matchup may be better. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll we've pretty much got a handle on what we think our rotation will be and uh, who's going to be in certain spots um, in the bullpen and towards the back end, and, and we'll get that out here fairly soon. We've done it. Fairly good job of letting the guys know what we know, um, and we'll start to make that more public as we get closer to Friday. Very good. Terrific. Uh, appreciate that. And then, finally, you know, the news items, the fact that Alex Reyes was on the field had to have felt good. The fact that Henesis Cabrera is involved. I'm not certain uh, what the status of Giovanni Gallegos is just yet. I'm sure you'll let us know, and it'd be a lot to ask for all of those to be ready for opening day. That's, I mean, I, that's that's a very short window when you when you haven't been able to pitch yet. Yeah, that will. That's not that's not a possibility for probably uh, Reyes and Cabrera. They've been, um, you know, for the last 14 days, really not being able to do a whole lot, um, and so they're going to rightfully start. Um, and pick up, you know, with a little more long toss and catch and get some bullpens in and kind of see where they are. So, um, you know, clearly both those guys are, are guys we would expect and want to be on the club, but they're not likely going to be able um, by Friday. Geo's a little different circumstance. He'll be here today. Um, we still, um, you know, we'll figure out what that looks like with Geo, but 
Um, he is actually cleared to participate today uh, and will be here. And he's been throwing more. And, and you know, we want to believe all our guys and most every guy that shared with us where they were in their progression were pretty darn, you know, honest about it when they showed up for for this camp. And um, we expect the same out of Gio. And he's saying he's he's been throwing and feels good and he's ready to go and wants in the game and ready to pitch. Very good. Always good to talk some ball with Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager with us. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk a little bit about today's matchup. Jack Flaherty will be pitching. John Gant is also scheduled to pitch. He had a couple throwing live BP yesterday. Love going through the roster with Mike Schilt, talking some baseball as we're in game week, man. This is it. We got Wednesday exhibition and Friday's a ball game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's the Mike Schilt Show on KMOX. It's 1029. We're back right after this. Now, back to the Mike Schultz Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to the Mike Schultz Show. It's 1033. We'll keep Mike for a little bit and then he had to get ready for this game, 115 game. What a real luxury is on these Sundays, as we do during the regular season, to have Mike Schultz involved in the radio station talking to us from the ballpark as he gets ready to play a game and i know these games are competitive too i could that was the other thing i could see is not only were the players enjoying themselves with the crowd noise and the music and the effects on the scoreboard that you all have put in but there is an element of competitiveness this is not standing around they are getting after it aren't they do we still have mike it might have might have lost Mike Schultz for a moment. We'll have James O'Sullivan, our producer, reestablish. But I'll tell you, uh, when these two teams uh, get together at the ballpark, there's uh, some competitive stuff going on between these two. There's no question about it. And yesterday, the Cardinals had a live BP, so there was no inter-squad game. But today's game will begin at one fifteen, and it's the same time that a regular season game uh, would begin next Sunday against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Isn't that right, Mike? You'll be playing a day game. So we're kind of kind of replicating those things, aren't we? Is he still there? Give me one second, oh, okay. Oh, no problem. All right, we'll get back to Mike. Like, like I said, well, this is a real luxury to be able to have the Cardinals manager in his office as players are coming in and out. Understand that we totally get that that these are, you know, you're going to have some meetings, you're going to have to visit with players, decisions are being made, and the manager is with us before these games. So we'll continue to do that. As we do next Sunday, the Cardinals are going to play a 115 game, just like they would on any Sunday during last regular season. Mike, are you, are you still with us? I'm back, yeah. Okay, back. great. I got, I've got two questions. So, yeah, the intensity was high. Um, guys are getting after. They're competing. Um, you know, we got a bunch of alpha guys that, um, love to compete and, you know, miss the competition um, over the over the break. So, you know, them getting on the field and then being able to – and plus, you know, they, they show up and they go in the clubhouse and, and um, you know, they get the chance to enjoy themselves about what just happened. Yeah, I like it. Uh, and then you have a day game today. It's hot. I mean, but uh, you, you typically will work just like you did on Friday, right? Four innings and, and maybe get in about five or six, maybe more. Yeah, we're going seven today. Seven, okay. um, you know, part of the reason we've done what we've done is um, to accommodate pitching. But, uh, you know, we've been intentional about the number of innings we play just to build up our regulars to, to get ready for the load of the season. And just know that, you know, in a, in a more normal spring training, you have um, clearly you're only playing one team. So, you know, guys get days off and 
you know, you build guys up to three, four, five, six innings. Um, every time we enter squad now, effectively, there's no, based on the numbers we have in camp, which are plenty of the good, but um, everybody's got to play. Um, so, and everybody's got to play on the same day. So we've been intentional about not only giving the blow in between inner squads, but also ramping up the appropriate amount of innings to get guys ready for the season. You'll have Jack Flaherty pitching today. He's looked like Jack Flaherty of 2019, hasn't he? He's looked good. You know, he's looked good. Um, there's no question about it. He's talking about somebody taking it serious. It's definitely uh, Jack as well. He's uh, he's getting after it, and today he's pitching for the visiting team, throwing to Yachty. Oh, very good. And then on the other side, is it John Gant starting for the other team? It's not. Okay. John Gant's coming in relief for Jack Flaherty. Um, we got a, all relievers throwing uh, for the home team today, and Junior Fernandez will be the first reliever to take them out. Ah, very good. Uh, and then you'll be working in some others. And yesterday, you got to look at some of your youngsters. Woodford, who's Jake Woodford's been in the minor league system for a little while. Johan Oviedo, they also uh, went up against hitters in live BP. How did they look yesterday? Look good. We um we created some situations um, for our hitters uh, just to make sure they saw. You know, actually, we asked our guys, "What would what situation would you like to see? Runner on third, less than two outs. Runner on second, nobody out. First and third. Um, so we gave both Ovi and Woody the first inning clean, and then we put situations out there to start innings and move the situations around. So they were really good teammates for us yesterday, and allowed us to do that and allowed the hitters to get some different looks to different situations. Um, I thought Ovi was good. Uh, he's got such a good arm. Life, life on this fastball, a lot of, you know, late, late extension to it. Um, good changeup, really good slider. Uh, thought he was sharp. Um, got better as he went. Third inning was probably his best inning. And then Woody, um, more aggressive in the zone, more in attack mode, um, and, uh, and a better finish to his pitches. So I thought both of them had, had, had a good day. I haven't seen lineups for today, but I'm not going to ask you to run through them. But, but I do – I, and I'm not holding you to a lineup either, but I thought that red team lineup on Friday was pretty attractive from the standpoint of this, that I noticed that after Yachty at six, you have some pretty darn good speed there. I mean, you went Fowler, O'Neal, Bader, seven, eight, nine, and then came back with, of course, Wong one and Edmund two. That's some pretty good base running ahead of some big boppers in your lineup, isn't it? Yeah, it's a balanced lineup, and, um, you know, it was a lineup that we were a little intentional about and seeing what it looked like, um, you know, based on what we talked about earlier about the inner squads and moving guys around and, and um, getting guys at different looks. But that was a day we could get everybody in um, you know, with a certain feel look to it, and, and um, I think everybody liked, liked what that looked like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It feel it seems like you have some good versatility. I mean, you you had Sosa playing shortstop for the Blue that day. You had Edmund at third, um, but you could you could play Sosa in different spots. Edmund is going to play a lot of third base, I would imagine. But you could move some guys around, couldn't you? I, I'm yeah, like assuming that you're going to have Sosa with you all the way. But he's he has a verse some versatility to him. Yeah, he does. I mean, today we we're putting Tommy back on the visiting side and. Um, He's going to play short because he hasn't got as much time at short. Um, and then Sosa started second that game and Schrock at third. And then we'll um, 
we'll carousel those guys a little bit during the course of the game and get Sosa at third and, and Tommy will probably slide over and uh, maybe play some second. We'll see what it all looks like. Well, Schrock's a nice player, too. That dude can hit. He He's a contact hitter, tough. I, every time I look up, Schrock's uniform is dirty. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's a ball player. Yeah, Schrock's a, Schrock's a good player. You know, he takes good at-bats and, you know, calm guy and just steady. Just does what he does and catches the ball and puts a good at-bat on it. And, um, you know, he studies the game and, and, and knows how to play the game. So he's done, done a nice job. Him and Sosa both done a really nice job. A couple things left for Mike Schilt before we let him go. Uh, your your exhibition game coming up against the Kansas City Royals on Wednesday at 3.05. How did that come about? I know when we talked last show, it was getting pretty close to being announced. Yeah, Mo, you know, I'm sure reached out as Kansas City. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but if we just talked about, you know, having a game that we could play that would get everybody a different jersey to look at before we – crank things up uh, officially on Friday and um, it's going to be a good day. It's a good time for it. You know, we have a optional workout the day before we open up, but you give guys a chance to, to get out there. We're, you know, we're going to have uh, miles and Carlos. It's the majority of that game. And, um, but it'll be good. It'll get us in our game game mode and, and um, look forward to it. And I should circle back to one more pitcher, and that's KK, because on Thursday, at one point, I think he retired seven straight was his longest run, but he looked uh, awfully tough, I thought. Yeah, KK's been really good. He's been able to um, – he's a pitcher. He's a pitch maker. Um, so, and he was able to do that that day. Um, had a little traffic and got ahead, and at your point, he had a little run there too, but – uh, this guy's got ability to throw about any pitch at any time, and, and he's got—he's uh, a pro. You know, he's—he he's, doesn't have experience in the big leagues, but he does have experience at a high-level professional league and high-level international competition um, with the WBC. And so he's—he's a—he's a veteran guy that that um, you know we could put in a, about any spot and feel good he's going to get a job done. Well, we look forward to seeing today. It'll be Jack Flaherty pitching against a number of relievers on the other side. John Gant will back up Flaherty for the visiting team today. Jack will pitch to Yachty, as they will, on opening day. One just, uh, well, gosh, less than a week away, Friday night against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mike, we thank you so much for being with us here today. I'll see the club. I can't say I'll see you at the ballpark because I'm not coming down to Tier 1. But I'll be on Tier 3 calling the game with Chris Raby and looking forward to it. That sounds great, Tom. Enjoy it. Have a blessed day, sir. You too. Thank you so much. There's Cardinals manager Mike Schultz. Love chatting with him, talking some ball with him on these Sunday mornings. Cardinal baseball at one fifteen today. We will have John Mosellock next hour at 1130. We'll ask him a little bit more about some of the operations of the club as they get closer to this unprecedented moment, playing a 60-game regular season in 2020. Back in a moment with Kurt Warner. The Hall of Fame quarterback visited with me on my Garage Happy Hour. We'll begin that conversation. We'll continue it after the 11 o'clock news. We'll catch up with John Mosellock at 11.30 and a lot more baseball and sports up until noon. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to the Lux Calore International Sports on a Sunday morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Warner and the Rams who have gone three and out, back-to-back possessions. They go under center with three receivers to the right, one to the left. Warner back to throw. 
airs it out. Deep down the right side, and the pass is caught by Isaac Bruce. He breaks away at the 30. Bruce to the 20. Bruce to the 10. Touchdown. Touchdown, St. Louis Rams. Isaac Bruce, 73 yards. And the St. Louis Rams, for the moment, have the lead. It's great to be along with you. We have a very special guest today. It is going to be. Kurt Warner. Kurt is just wrapping up a meeting and is scheduled to join us. That's why we're starting a little bit late. Gave him a little time to get out of a meeting and get himself there. And oh my goodness, look at this. I mean, it took like five seconds. There he is. There is the two. Sorry about the delay. Well, I just started. Like I literally, like Kurt, 10 seconds ago said, Kurt's in a meeting. It was like I was Rick Smith. Hey guys, uh, (laughs) hey, uh, Kurt's in a meeting. He'll uh, He'll be out in just a minute. Um, Rick Smith, uh, for those who don't know, the legendary PR director of the St. Louis Rams. This is the legendary Kurt Warner, the two-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Man, it is good to see you. How are you? I'm doing good. Sorry it uh, took me a minute. Like you said, I was getting off a meeting, but also I didn't get uh, – I was having trouble streaming in, so I, I apologize for that, but, uh, but happy to be on. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you again. That's kind of like, you know, it's it's a Facebook Live, so it's kind of the charm of it all. Like the first couple minutes is all of us just making sure we can connect. It's kind of just the way 2020 is right now, isn't it? It's, no, it's no real. Doubt. No doubt. Well, this is, a, this is a new means of doing it, but you're right. Whether it's Google or Zoom or whatever it is, it's, uh, it's been the way, of the way of the world for the last two or three months. So I've gotten comfortable with a lot of those things, but obviously there's, there's new and, and different things uh, every time I turn around. Absolutely. Well, it's great to be able to communicate in this way. And you have a ton of fans here in St. Louis. I'll tell you that not just in St. Louis, but around the world tuning in now. And uh, soon they're going to be able to see a movie made about you. I wanted to ask you about that right out of the gate. Uh, I know that you're involved with it in uh, American Underdog. The Kurt Warner story is uh, something that we're all going to want to watch. I, I got to experience it firsthand covering you from day one. And to be able to relive that's going to be unbelievable, and, and to be able to go back in time and 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 share your story. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's exciting. It's been uh, it's been a work in progress. It's taken a while to get to this point, but you know we've always just taken the approach that uh, we're not just going to do it to do it. We want to do it right if we're going to do it, and we feel really good about the team that we've got in place now, and um, you know where the movie making process is, whether that's you know people that we've signed on to do. Uh, uh, to, to play our parts or whether it's where the script is right now. So still a long way to go, but they're planning on starting shooting in September for a December release in 2021. So we're excited about that, you know, with everything going on in the world around us, you didn't know what was going to happen, but it's going to be one of the first releases for Lionsgate uh, next Christmas. So we're pumped up and uh, looking forward to, to seeing how it all plays out. We need some positive news, and that was a great piece of news. It was just great to hear. And I know that uh, Zachary Levi looks just like you, by the way. <laughs> yes, there's, there's definitely a lot of similarities. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing when you put up the side-by-sides and, and you see it. But we got a chance to meet him uh, a couple weeks ago. and just a, a great guy. I've heard nothing but incredible things about, you know, the character of, of the man. So that, to me, is is a big part of it is making sure you get the essence of the story and, uh, and our family, right. And, uh, I think we hit the nail on the head with getting him to be a part of this. And now, uh, we'll go from there. The story is amazing. The story really is. And it goes way back, um, so many times. And it actually continued even when you were an Arizona Cardinal, having to be able to overcome 
getting that starting job and going back to another Super Bowl, your third Super Bowl. But, you know, to take it back to, I mean, uh, St. Louis and how it all started for you, I just remember I wanted to mention the first time that I ever met you, and it was, you know, Charlie Army, who was uh, running the pro personnel for the Rams, was talking about you, and, and I know that you had served as uh, a backup Gosh, in, in college, I mean, you and I, you're in northern Iowa. By the way, I've got a, a Missouri Valley uh, cup here. about that just for All you. Right. Um, but you're, you're, you and I, you're, you're, you know, backing up there. You start your senior year. You make your way through NFL Europe, the Arena Football League, of course. Um, but here you are. You're the third-string quarterback for the St. Louis Rams. You've made it to, the, to an NFL locker room. Tony Banks is a starter. Steve Bono is the backup. You're the third string. And I remember standing at your locker – and I, I believe, you know, we were kind of waiting for Banks to talk. And, and I just stopped and I said, Kurt, my name's Tom Ackerman. And you go, hi, I'm Kurt Warner. And just so friendly and nice. And, Kurt, you never changed. Um, yeah. You never, ever changed from that day through Super Bowl MVP, two-time MVP, all of the great things. Uh, and I, I believe that the steadiness in your life had – so much to do with faith that I, I think that this movie is going to have that narrative. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you hope, uh, you know, I think the bottom line is, is you hope to share the entire gamut. You know, I think that's one thing that people really associate uh, or have been able to associate with my story is one of the reasons is because uh, of the ups and downs. And that's, that's real life for, for most of us. I mean, you know, talking about the time that we're in right now, I mean, you know, look around and all the ups and downs and the struggles that are going on around us. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely going to be a part of the story is we want to be able to share all of that to be, be able to inspire and encourage, um, you know, people wherever they're at, show them that uh, no matter where you're at right now, your circumstances don't don't have to define you and, and who you are and what the future has in store. Um, you know, but, but there's, there's going to be lots of parts to it. I think we're going to be able to dive in a little deeper to the story and the relationships and the family dynamic. And as you said, the ups and downs and the mountaintops and the, and the struggles. And, um, and I think we're going to be able to connect with a lot of different people that come from a lot of different places. And that's really, to me, what it's, it's always been about is uh, how do you use your story, uh, your journey, to connect with people and hopefully inspire them. And, um, you know, that's the hope uh, that we want to, you know, that's the hope that, the, that we have with this movie is that it can inspire a lot of people and it can touch a lot of people and, uh, and give them some hope where, uh, where they may be struggling at a particular time. I think the timing is uh, amazing. I really do. And, you know, you could have made this movie in 2009. You could have made it in 1999, to be <laughs> honest with you. And, uh, here we are in 2020, and the timing is impeccable. I mean, we need it. We need uh, we need each other right now, don't we? Uh, no question. No question. That you know, I've always said that I think we live in a a culture that's that's longing for for heroes or heroic stories in, in whatever way, shape, and form that is. And um, you know, so I think people are able to grab a hold of those things. I mean, there's so many superhero movies out there. Um, you know, just because, there, you know, there's a part of that that you wish was true and, and you can hang on to it and, and believe that there's something greater out there. And as you said, I mean, the timing for stuff like that 
is definitely right now when we're looking around at all the different things going on uh, in our society, whether it be the virus, the, the racial tensions and the things that are going on. Um, yeah, I mean, we need positive, uplifting, hopeful things um, that next year is going to be better than this year. And then five years from now is going to be our country is going to be in a better spot than uh, than we have been this past year. And so uh, any message like that, I think, is is welcomed at this point in time in whatever uh, from whatever medium that is. And so I think you're right. I think it's a it's a great time to be able to share this story and to share our message. Um, you know, we've said it over and over again. You're never quite sure why you take the journey that you take or why it's taken seven years to get this movie made. But, uh, you know, sometimes God's timing is better than our timing. I should say sometimes, most of the time, God's timing is better than our timing. Um, and we believe this is going to be perfect timing for, uh, for this movie. And hopefully we've got a little bit of normalcy back. But, um, but again, it can give some people some hope uh, that may be lacking a little bit of hope right now. Yes, and that is Kurt Warner, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, the former St. Louis Ram, the two-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP. We'll tell some stories. He goes into detail about the 99 season. I think it's fascinating. We will do that after the 11 o'clock news. I'm Tom Ackerman. It's sports on a Sunday morning. We will pause for the news at 11, come back at 5 after, and get back to Kurt Warner. John Mosellock at 11.30. Don't forget, 115 Cardinal Baseball today, an inter-squad game from Bush Stadium, all right here on KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.